so it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Round 10 of Super Rugby is all... In the books. It's in the books, I, Arch. I knew you were going to say that. That's how I start the podcast. That's I know it is. It. It's in the books. Don't deviate. <laughs> it is. It is in the books. And guess what? We had three Australian victories on the weekend. How good's that? Three out of three. Uh, not what I tipped, but very, very happy to get those results by all means. And and the only reason we couldn't have had four is because it was a derby game, which was a really good game in the end. It was, it was. And we'll get into that in just one second. Of course, you hear Leo here with me. Unfortunately, Toby, unable to join us. He's off in Romania, I believe, at the moment, hunting, hunting some vampires in Transylvania. Yeah, checking out all the old castles. And uh, I, I don't know if he's checking in on the Romanian rugby team. And their preparations for the World Cup, which they won't be going to? I don't think so. Not since 2003, I think, was the last time they were in the World Cup. And they didn't do too well. I think they that was a record loss. I think they had to... Oh, no, that was Namibia that they beat like 128-5 to five or something. Back when Chris Latham, Chris Latham scored about five tries or something in a game. Yeah, I think the Romanians were on the wrong side of a couple of qualifying results uh, mm. last year. There's a bit of controversy about that, actually, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about our players of the round first up. That's right, players of the round. And it's hard to go past a few of these uh, Australian teams that got the win over in South Africa. And for me, it was one gentleman in the Reds, Liam Wright, who really stepped up for the Reds and really helped them get, a, especially at the end of the game, get a couple of crucial turnovers that really kept the Reds in the game and managed to steal that win against the Sharks. Yeah, and a player we've mentioned in the past uh, has been sort of in and out of that back row. They've got a lot of guys competing for space there, but uh, has, yeah, stood up on tour and, and they can really use these young guys and the young pilferers have only got um, Scott Higginbotham and Scott Handsome. Handsome Scott Young. Handsome Scott Young. Handsome Handsome Scott, Scott Young. That's right. And it was something that, that I criticised the Reds, I think, a bit earlier in the season that they didn't have enough threat as a sort of pilfering in that and I think Liam Wright obviously showed uh, on the weekend that he is still a bit of a threat there and he's, he's a big boy as well so he is hard to move when he does get in good positions and not to get too far off topic but it's the sort of thing I get a little bit uh, unhappy with with the whole Michael Hooper locked in for five years and he was going to be Wallaby's captain and we're going to miss out on having a big burly number seven like that and have to compensate in the rest of the back row but that's what we've got presumably so Good on you, Liam Wright. Keep plugging away. You'll, you'll get your opportunity soon enough. Definitely, definitely. And Leo, who do you have as your player of the round? So I thought Jerome Brown for the Brumbies was really, really uh, impressive. He, he was also in the ruck, stealing the ball, very physical. Uh, it was only his third match, I think. Yeah, first start, I think, for the Brumbies because they've been a bit decimated in that back row. Yeah, that's right. And, and in a match where we were expecting to see David Pocock come back into the side and then obviously wasn't named, a bit concerning for him. Uh, but yep, Jerome Brown gets his opportunity and, and made a big impact and actually got man of the match in that in that one as well. So good work, Jerome Brown. Uh, looking forward to seeing more of you on the Brumbies tour. 
It definitely speaks to the Brumbies' depth that they've built in that back row. When you think they've, look, they're without David Poker, who said Lockie McCaffrey wasn't in this game, and they've lost people like Rob Valentini as well. So they're all three starters in their back row, and yet they still had a pretty dominant back row in this. Yeah, Tom Cusack keeps plugging away, playing really well. Pete Samu with the tribe, quite an impressive effort there mm. out on the out on the edge, and and Jerome Brown. So not lacking too much in the back row department. I would say an honourable mention to Rory Arnold in that game as well, uh, who yeah. played particularly well. Near second to Jerome Brown was swimming through the middle of malls, causing havoc for the Stormers, and and yeah. assisted a try, scored his own off a charge down. Yeah. Very very measured and uh, and patient to to scoop up the ball and and get across the line. So another good effort and another guy who's definitely pressing for a starting berth in the Wallabies. Yeah, another name that will be sad to see leave Australian shores come next year as well, which is a bit of a shame. He's following his brother over to France here as well. So let's get into the round recaps. And I think we should start with probably what was the biggest headline going into this weekend, and that was the Tars Rebels, Saturday night, Sydney Cricket Ground. It was a bit of their, well, they called it their Anzac round, and they had the ceremony before the game. But the big headline in this... Well, I guess two big headlines. One was Bernard Foley versus Quade Cooper, the incumbent versus the guy who's been off rugby for a year and is looking to make uh, force himself back into that gold jersey. And I guess as well, the Waratahs without Falau and how they dealt with that. And I think, look, Falau's awaiting to have his code of conduct hearing to see whether his contract's going to be reinstated or not. I think we should avoid any of the controversy here. We can talk about him, but just about what the Waratahs may be missing and what gaps they've been trying to hold up. But in the end, Waratahs take this one, 23 to 20. So, I mean, the conversation's over, isn't it? Bernard Foley's the number 10 for the Wallabies. No more questions. Yeah, well, it's it sort of feels a lot less uncertain now. I, I was definitely waiting to see if Foley stood up in what is, I guess, the most crucial derby game for the Waratahs, uh, playing against the conference leaders, playing against a lot of guys like position to position matching up and trying to take the incumbency off off players in the wall in the waratahs rebels whole back line was was a dominant force most of the season so far and the waratahs it took a little bit of time to warm up and they were blown out early but they managed to run them down they they took the points when they're available and and there's that really nice or interesting uh little contest there where that ball went over the back of the line out and you got Foley and you got Quaid coming in hard to try and mm. snaffle the loose ball. Quaid, Quaid kind of keeps his body protected, sticks his arms out to, to grab it and Foley just charges through, leans in with the shoulder, really you know, captures the ball, bang through the line and, and away he went. And, and you could see uh, a lot of uh, kind of enjoyment and, and pretty happy guy scoring that try turning around and fired up and a few other times in this game where you know kicks to touch went went right for them and, and they were making ground and he was definitely really lapping up the the form that they'd found late in this game yeah but it didn't start out that pretty that well for Bernard Foley I mean his first 20 minutes were pretty shocking really kicks two penalties over the uh into the in goal over the dead ball line and loses that advantage uh, a couple of loose handles in that and then uh, then managed to turn it around, as you said. But the early sort of momentum from the Tars wasn't really being driven through Bernard Foley. You had people like Carmichael Hunt with a few good touches. You had um, Adam Ashley Cooper scoring the try early in, in the game as well. And Kurtley Beale coming up uh, to play a little bit of first receiver. Um, but actually, Carmichael Hunt stepped in and, and played quite well. He 
he assisted the the line break and then the the try uh, that they that they scored through the hands out wide. Uh, Jed Holloway's no look pass back into AAC, mm. and and you know that's that's good support. That's what you want from your twelve, particularly when we're talking about not having this sort of secondary ball player, just a, a guy who can um, make make the right pass, but isn't sort of that's not his key strength. Mm. So they sort of let Bernard Foley kind of drop back and and play out wide and and really not uh, force his hand on the game too much. And I guess he, he just took a little while to warm into it, which, I mean, I don't know if that's what you want to see, but it worked and, and it wasn't a, a disaster. They, they kept themselves in touch with the Rebels the whole way through. And then we also had Beal playing out of fullback, which I, I think is still my pref- preferred position for him in that team. Now that Falau's out, we can, we can see a bit more Beal coming from depth out wide with more space and, and more opportunities to kind of beat guys one-on-one and, and throw the pass. Yeah, it was a bit of a different way both of these teams approached this game because it was a bit wet and slippery. There was a lot of kicking for territory early. They peppered Beal actually at the back with a lot of high balls, which he dealt with pretty well, really. Uh, but not quite the normal game plan from either of these teams, and especially the Rebels. And it didn't seem like they managed to really adjust in the second half because, I mean, they came out and they couldn't score another point in the second half here. Yeah, you sort of wonder why you would change what is a strong plan. Uh, the Waratahs had the schematic for how to beat the Rebels for the previous week, I guess. The Stormers really picked them apart and, and showed what can work and, and unsettled them. And the Waratahs didn't apply that straight away, but when they did apply it, it still seemed to work. And the, the Rebels... Well, I mean, they weren't that good uh, on the end of the kicks either. They, they gave the ball repeatedly to the Waratahs, and when the Waratahs gave it back, we had Quaid spill a couple of bombs, and and generally they just didn't look like they they were organised for those counters. Um, I probably can't put too much on it, but Jack Maddox going out fairly early in this game, mm. and uh, yeah, whether whether little things like that kind of just make make the task seem a little bit harder or, or make them think they need to change their plan. They've got a different guy coming in to take that spot when Maddox goes off. Do they think, oh, now he's on, we've got to do something different to suit him? I don't know. I would hope they're all just working towards the same tactics and, and any player who comes on is, a you know, in some ways a carbon copy ready to slot in and play the same kind of role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, the Rebels just didn't... They got, you know, they got good points early, but there was some slightly um, opportunistic... Uh, tries in, for both sides like the Meeks try was um, really was just a loose ball that kind of got spilled and then knocked around and then he scooped it up and it was a broken line in front there's no one really to, to stop him but I mean it's it's going to be the story here that the Rebels are they doing the same thing as last year where they start off really strong and then they have this dip and they just can't quite regather that momentum from early in the season because I mean that's two in a row now they're going on to a bye but it's really allowed a lot of the other teams in this conference to catch them up. Yeah, true. And and it's a home loss to the Stormers at the end of a tour who who brought a smart game plan but the Rebels didn't have anything to to you know, didn't have any smarts in, in their strategy to adjust and, and you know, come from a bit deeper and negate that, that pressing line. Mm. Uh, and then the Waratahs who, you know, they're second in the conference and they're a formidable opponent. You're playing at their house. Um, not to have something which um, sort of picks them apart from what you've seen. The Waratahs haven't been consistent. They haven't been strong. They've been really sputtering in their own attack. You'd think the Rebels are smart enough with the success they've had that 
they've shown how to pick a part of the teams and they haven't done it to the Waratahs. So, you know, that, that, but having said that, they lived it last year. They should be wary of this mid-season slump. Uh, hopefully Dave Wessels has a few tricks that he didn't have last year. Yeah, well, they go on to a buy now, so they've got a, another week to sort of try and sort things out. But it'll be interesting. Uh, at the end of May, the Waratahs head back down to Melbourne for the sort of other end of this derby, and that will be a massive game, I think, back then. But before we move on, Rebels still Australia's best team? I think so. Yeah, I'm not willing to put the Waratahs up there as the best team yet. Like, they've had a a reasonable game against the Rebels. The Rebels, I think, did a lot... Um, to defeat themselves. I, the kicking, the constant kicking the ball away, I, I don't think good teams, confident teams need to do that. I, I just don't think that should be a tactic. I don't think it's beneficial to just keep feeding the ball to your opposition when they do have attacking threats because you're giving them more and more opportunities mm. to find form, to, to find the gap that has been eluding them. You know, If they only get two or three kick returns a game and nothing of it, if you give them 10, at some point good players are going to break out and I, that's what I feel like happened in this game. Um, the, the Waratahs found a way eventually. They had plenty of possession, uh, but I don't think I don't think they're better than the Rebels. I think on their day, the Rebels are a better unit. Um, the Waratahs are still a, a team of potentially star individuals who haven't quite gelled yet. Yeah, fair enough. We'll move on to the uh, Reds game, and that was versus the Sharks, and the second game on their South African tour down in Durban, and after. Uh, a bit of impressive play last week, but ultimately falling short. Here they came out really strong versus the Sharks team and uh, ended up getting the win. A rare win for them. I think it's been 15 years since the Reds last won in Durban, taking this one 21 to 14. And they got out early after I think 20 or so minutes. They were two tries up. Uh, they looked confident. They, for such a young team to be on tour and to have had a disappointing defeat last week against albeit, again, the, the sack uh, leaders, to then go and play... Well, the, the Sharks were second at the start of the round or, or yeah, thereabouts. They're yeah, all yeah. pretty clustered up there. That's but it, yeah. The Sharks are probably the second-best team over there. And, and to, to keep that belief and to learn from your mistakes and the forwards just, again, really stood up. They were strong in their scrums mm-hmm. and, their, and their set piece. Uh, those guys have a lot of belief. And that's... In, in such young players, that... I don't think that just comes by chance. I think that's testament to Brad Thorne and his team. And, you know, he's, he's done something good in that next week that probably will go away and do a bit of work, do a bit of tape. But, you know, they go on safaris, they relax. It's a bit of a tour. It's a, it's a new thing for some of these players, but he's kept them focused. They've come into this game and they've just been really impressive from the get-go. And then when times have gotten a bit more high pressure later in the game and the Sharks are knocking on the door, they've been strong enough to hold them out. Uh, and they didn't resort to a particularly grinding type of, of tactic either. Like they were throwing offloads and, yeah. and, you know, really, really pushing wide and trying to outflank this team. They were taking chances and they were making something out of it. Mm. So Karevi, obviously, again, impressive. You say it every week, continues to do the right things. He breaks tackles. He makes the right decision when offloading and he puts people in space. Uh, Tate McDermott again, another strong game. A uh, player that I haven't really seen um, but has been holding off like BPA in that hooker position is uh, Murphy, and he's had a few strong games really this year, and he, he showed it earlier in this one, had a good sort of break through the line early and really set up that first try for Higgin. I think uh, it's possible that Checker, if he's measuring hookers on their rig, might be having a pretty close look at Alex Murphy because he looks like he has got his rig in order. Uh, BPA is a pretty solid solid rig. 
but Alex Murphy looks, you know, light-footed and and um, yeah, that particular play I guess showed the talent he's got. He's mm. he's not a he's not just a um, a dumpy sort of charging hooker. Like he was he was light-footed and he broke through the line, stepped a player, um, and you know made a good twenty-something meters, thirty yeah. meters, and and that's the sort of extra skill where if you're solid in your set piece, you're solid line outs, you're not letting the scrums down um, and you're not a liability one-on-one in defense. If you've also got that, it's like that Dane Coles kind of um, mm. light-footedness. Like you, you get in the ball flat and if he's get through the line, he's he's not just, oh, the, the fullback will round him up. Like he's really dragging that player across into into a position where he has to make a tackle. And if there's support player around him, that's big opportunities for, for more tries for the Reds. Yeah, that is definitely what the best hookers seem to have. You mentioned Dane Coles, but you go back in Australian history, like Jeremy Paul always used to be that extra player that's always with the breakout players, always there for an offload or always giving that last pass to get that. So, yeah, maybe putting his name up for a bit of a Wallabies potential selection there. It does feel like the, the hooker stocks are all a bit flat at the moment. Like, no one's... Really, I feel Alfainga's been quite good, and he's got all the tries to his mm-hmm. name. But like, even the last few weeks, though, he's sort of not been as impressive as he had been at the start. Yeah, he's sort of been all a bit, sort of falling a bit. That's what I mean. If you average all all these guys' performances across the season so far, I don't think any of them are, are ranked so much higher that that it's a a straightforward selection. So I mean, that, that's that's good that they're all. Well, it's not good if they're none of them are standing out. It's bad for the Wallabies in one sense. There's no you know, superstar there to just write his name straight into the team sheet, but it means that they've all got a shot, and so hopefully they're all motivated to keep playing hard. Anything you want to say from the Sharks here? I mean, that's a couple of disappointing weeks for them. They're going to start sliding down the conference if they don't sort of pick it up at the moment. Yeah, another another home loss, and and against a team that they definitely would have been thinking this this should be a, a solid win, and and they didn't have. Um, an understrength side particularly no, they no. they had their normal side for the most part as as far as I'm aware so you know guys like Robert Dupree not not managing to get get his backline firing and again I I feel like this one this is a testament to the Reds and their solid defense and and um you know risk taking but rewarded in attack um the Sharks just didn't have that that firepower and couldn't blow through the Reds line so I'd I'd give a, a Reds win more than a Sharks loss mm-hmm. to sort of put it that way. Um, but look, the, there's there's other teams like the, the Bulls were on by, so they didn't get any further out in front this week. There's, it's all still up for grabs in the sack. The the Sharks just need to keep on pushing and start getting some home wins. They can't afford to drop those. Yeah, well, I mean, they're about to head on to a three week tour, playing the Tars, Crusaders, and Chiefs. So that's mm. a bit of a bit of a tough tour for them as well, you'd think. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, I mean, the Bulls also still have to go on tour as well. So the two, what you would think, sort of the top two teams that are challenging there is, are going to be heading over to, to play away. Um, let's move on to the final Australian team playing and another victory in South Africa we can talk about. The Stormers and Brumbies both heading back from Australia. So a lot of travel time on both of them. But, again, reasonably strong teams named throughout. Stormers still missing a couple of their... Uh, front line sort of forward see Khaleesi playing from the bench here but an immense defensive display here again with the Brumbies taking this 19-17 yeah a really enjoyable game to watch um, a lot of standout individuals that we've already mentioned Rory Arnold Jerome Brown um, Christian Lelifano stood up in this game uh, was particularly impressive um, look Brumbies 
the, the mental strength to go on to a first week focused on their task and huge defense. Like 224 tackles, of which they missed another 29. So it's about 10%. And similarly for the Stormers, missed about 10%, but only 90. So the, the Brumbies have done twice and then some more on, on the defensive side at, in someone else's house. And and the the Stormers were throwing some some decent attack at them. They 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 were making some. His standard was all right. He wasn't great. Willemser was busy, and and Lades and, and actually Peterson too. Like that, they were all pretty pretty active. And the forwards were were doing their usual grinding, charging, and and the Brumbies just they held just them out. Yeah, they weren't getting anywhere because a lot of that defence was the Brumbies in their own twenty-two and just making a few few big turnovers towards the end. I think. They got a little bit lucky with one of their final turnovers. Pete Sama got it well. Rory Arnold was lying on the other side of the ruck. But, look, they played it well. Lali Fano managed the ref well, I think. And they get the result here. And what an awesome way to start your tour. Yeah, that's going to give them so much confidence. And, and again, like they, they didn't do everything right, but they, they kept themselves in the game pretty much through that defensive effort. Like They were losing some lineouts and scrums. They conceded more penalties than the Stormers. They had a yellow card to Tony Pulu at the end of the first half, which means they came out of the shed 10 minutes, 14 men. And again, they, they did enough, and, and the, the Stormers just couldn't, couldn't crack that defense and couldn't, couldn't really do anything uh, exciting. Like, the Stormers still seem to be a fairly one-dimensional team. Like They've got some speed guys. They've got some, some big forwards, but... There's not really like Standers not particularly inspirational. Like he's not doing anything exciting. He's not a Quaid. He's not a Elton Yanchies. He's yeah. not a Damien um, McKenzie. Like that they just couldn't find another way. They couldn't find a different style of play to to break down the Brumbies' effort. And and the Brumbies were tiring. And yeah, they, they another another South African team who probably thought they had a really good opportunity here in their own house and and didn't do lose one at home. Yeah. I think it makes a big difference not having Jean-Luc Duplessis at 10 for them. I think the Stormers' game plan, what, when they work well, it's when they are just being a bit brutish up in the forwards, being really physical, and then kicking behind teams when they draw in enough players to unlock their sort of speed men um, as well. They don't seem to have the finesse to run these elaborate backline plays or create space for any other way. It's more about holding teams and then kicking behind and paying that territory game. But... Yeah, Brumbies did well enough in this one. Well done. Great to great to watch that one on replay on Sunday morning and, and see such a fine result. Mm. And it really, as we said, it brings all that Australian conference really close together. I mean, you've got the Rebels still out in front, but with a game further ahead of the Waratahs, um, but 24 points to 20 of the Waratahs, and the Brumbies and Reds right behind them, 19 points, 18 points, all three of those all on four wins. Yeah, it's really clustered. It's a bit like the South African Conference. Most teams on four or five wins, uh, no clear leader at this point. Like the, the Rebels have been, but it's net definitely narrowed. Um, it's anyone's ball game. Like, and it's good mid-season. No one's getting blown out. Everyone's got something to play for. Even the Sunwolves, who've only had the two wins, you know, they're playing for pride and they are standing up as they play for pride. So, no one's an easy beat in this competition. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's let's go to the Sunwolves game because that was uh, Friday night. Out of Tokyo, the sun was at home in front of a pretty packed house in Tokyo. I think it's probably one of the um, best crowds I've probably seen in Super Rugby this year. They had a lot of people there, and they put on a show against the Hurricanes. What they would have, everyone expected them to be a, 
a big underdog in this game. And Hurricanes, I mean, they didn't have Bowden Barrett, but otherwise a full-strength team, more or less. And the Sunwolves came out strong. They were leading at the half, 23-10. to 10. Uh, they, they rolled the dice a bit, and they played um, Raboni Warren Vosayatho, their normal number eight at inside centre here, and he paid off early in the game and got a good line break off a line-out and then set up um, Samisi Masawira for his first of two tries in this game. Yeah, Masawera is just on an absolute romp at the moment. Is he is he leading the try the try tally at the moment? No, he's he's Still had a bit behind? of a quiet. Yeah, so he's on seven yeah. behind the three that are on eight, which is um, uh, Rico Yuani, Jack Maddox, and someone else as well. It is. So Sevu Reese. No, Will Jordan. Will Jordan. Will Jordan the young that's guy, right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, he's a. Fijian is eligible to play for Fiji. You wonder whether he would get the call up for the World Cup this year. On this form, it's be hard not to have him in that team. Yeah, and you know the the Sunwolves are a bit of a mix and match each year. So you know Masawara showing he can fit in and play with anyone. Fijians shouldn't be too afraid of picking him up. Mm. But yeah, this game, like again, great to see the Sunwolves at home putting up a fight, um, being well out in front. Yeah, um, twenty three ten at the halfway. Time, yeah. Hurricanes did well to come back. Uh, took this one 29-23, but, I mean, it wasn't smooth sailing. The Sunwolves had plenty of opportunity at the end of this game to get that try to get back in in front. Uh, unfortunately, their sit piece really sort of struggled at the end there in that final quarter, line out sort of going astray, scrums not holding up against the Hurricanes pack, uh, which is a bit of a shame. And probably the other big story in this is Hayden Parker's missed his first uh, penalty goal for 2019. He's now 34 from 35 attempts this year, so he's lost the 100 percenter. He did miss a conversion a week or two ago as well. Oh, did he? Yeah. So the streak was already broken on pure kicks, but yeah, if, if um, penalties, maybe uh, it's a different story. He did miss a conversion the other week. The commentators put the mocker on him, but still, still playing, you know, incredibly well. Yeah. And and leading that team. Yeah, you said the forwards sort of let them down. You're right. They. They lost. Uh, they started losing rucks. They lost lineouts and scrums. Uh, the Hurricanes pack. I think there's definitely some holes in that in yeah. that in that forward pack. Like if you're going to take the Hurricanes on, um, there's there's definitely some room in those forwards to, to have mm-hmm. them down. I, I'm not a big fan of Richard Telly this season. I think he's been uh, much much less consistent than he was uh, previous season when he was standing in for Dane Coles, um, Karifi. Very ever prone, error prone. Um, a guy yeah. to target, you know, dropping ball or spilling it as he goes to ground. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of when the ball's trying to get stripped. Toby had big wraps on him earlier he, in the season. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't quite. To be fair, he was. He he had a couple of games where he was impressive. He's really dynamic and busy and, and brought a lot of energy. But I, maybe he hasn't sort of tamed that and, and just settled now into that role. But mm-hmm. um, you know, the, there's the Hurricanes. Credit to the Sunwolves, they played really well. The Hurricanes were without Bowden, you know, not playing Geordie off the bench. Um, but, you know, are you going to lay everything on uh, the, the stand-in fly half Fletcher Smith? Like, is it his fault that they weren't firing? Like, there's six other no, guys in that no. back line that should be Absolutely. able to carry things, particularly TJ Perinara, you know, he should be there supporting Fletcher Smith. And I don't know, I, I, the Hurricanes are still not quite that... that um, they still look like a team of individuals that aren't quite gelling, mm. um, so whoever's I don't know who they're playing in the next few weeks, but uh, definitely definitely looking for upsets in in those fixtures. Yeah, I think in the end this is the most disappointing in this was seeing 
a team like the Sunwolves being so good and so um, their ability to challenge the Hurricanes in this and then to remember that we're going to lose them uh, from this competition. <laughs> it was the biggest takeaway I took from that. And TJ Perinara in this post-match interview was very sort of gracious and really recognised how well the Sunwolves played and he said it was a uh, disappointment that they weren't going to be in this conversa- uh, competition that much longer either. Yeah, like it's the same in the Western Force previous years have finally found something to rally around or, you know, some form and um, oh, look, we've done that it. Santa rips it away. Yeah, we've done it to death, but it's it's always going to be every time the Sunwolves perform well, we're going to feel a little stab of pain that, that we won't get to see them play on and, and they're bringing a different style uh, to most teams. Like they're, they're mm. exciting, they're just, you know, giving everything a go, backing their defence, throwing everything in attack, taking risks um, and some weeks they're really they're really testing the better teams. So, yeah. well, that's the biggest thing. I want to see where Tony Brown goes after this because it was him and Jamie Joseph that sort of implemented this game plan. Mm. And Jamie Joseph is obviously in his duties with Japan now. But Tony Brown, where he goes next, it'll be really interesting if he takes this sort of game plan, this sort of really high tempo sort of thing, and just pushing the opportunities every time you get a penalty, looking to take that tap, looking to throw it as much as can, just take those risks and just hope you get the rewards. Mm. Well, maybe if the Stormers coach gets binned after a poor season this year, he's <laughs> interested because they've got, they've got some really sort of dynamic players in their backs and, and they can do a lot of damage with that back three and the, plenty of grunt forwards. So, mm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe, maybe you get dragged into an assistant role with Japan because they won't want to lose the partnership that's yeah, been so successful. Potentially. Again, I'm probably going to bring this up multiple times while we're talking about the Sunwolves leaving, but hopefully Australian scouts are looking at some of these guys that are eligible to come back to Australia. And I mean, we already mentioned Vossiatho. He's a massive ball-riding number eight. Showed poise, break the line to set up Masawira. You've got other people like Gunter in there at six who's doing a lot of work in close. I mean, I know we have a lot of sixes, but as a number eight, I'd say Vossiatho is probably... You brought him back into... If he was playing in an Australian team this year, playing how he was, he'd be well in the conversation for a starting Wallabies jersey. Next, we'll jump into the other New Zealand game earlier, and that was the Chiefs versus the Lions. And the Chiefs playing a little bit of an understrength team, I guess, without people like Brody Retallick and Nathan Harris as well as Solomon Alamalu. And we know they were without Damien McKenzie as well. Versus the Lions that we... With the team we got given earlier in the week was a very different team that took the part. And I don't know whether it was because their coach had some health issues and left before the game and they reshuffled, but they brought probably their best, almost their full-strength team, their probably most strong team I've seen this year from the Lions. And uh, the Chiefs didn't score for the first 60 minutes and the Lions were just too far ahead to bring it back there and the Lions winning this one 23-17. Upset my tipping, first game, ruined my week. I mean, I still tip the Waratahs, or, but uh, okay, yeah. but uh, yeah, this this is definitely a strong Lions team and definitely a Chiefs team playing through duress, playing with injuries, mm. and yeah, sixty minutes they they couldn't score a point in this game, and and the Lions just kept rolling and and were busy, and all those all those good forwards that they suddenly had on the field instead of on the bench, um, you know, they all they all played well as a unit and and just kept the Chiefs in their box. There wasn't a lot of um, sort of particularly expansive play. Like you, you like you like Coetzee and and Deanti and was Mahuza on the wing. Like like again, very busy. 
Yeah, I mean, this is... I think the big difference... Look, Warren Whiteley back in the team, that helps. Quagga Smith back at six. And then you have Malcolm Marks not playing on the bench starting, as we thought. Um, but that made a massive difference just in the forward pack at Rucks. They were dominant. They were giving front football to Yankees that was also not on the bench, it was on the field. Um, and that just helps a lot. But in the end... This is a full-strength Lions team versus a second-string Chiefs team. And they did only win by six. And I think it probably shows a little bit. I don't think the Lions can play a huge amount better than what they played. I don't think they did anything amazing. But I don't think they really screwed up a huge amount. And that probably just speaks to where they're headed to in this 2019 season. I mean, they got a win. They're second in their conference now. They've taken over the Sharks. But I just don't see them moving that much further. Yeah, no, you're right. They, they they were on, you know, by the by the measures were fairly solid. And is it is it a context of the game thing where you do hold them out for sixty minutes? Uh, at that stage, I think they'd got up to was it seventeen or twenty points. Twenty, yeah, and, twenty nil. Yeah, twenty nil, and and you're coasting now. Last twenty minutes, do you relax? And is it just a a, a trap for them that 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 they should have finished a game where it's an away game, a dangerous Chiefs team. We've seen them lift when there's injuries, and they just, you know, sort of eased off and, and let them get back into it. I don't know. Um, that's that's sort of what I think. The, the Lions probably got comfortable and 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 let this happen. But again, a good team doesn't allow that to happen. A good team should still be trying to score points. Mm. Um, you know, you keep them at nil, and you've already you've already managed to score two tries. Um, you should be trying to get that third try. You should be trying to get the bonus point. You, you're trying exactly. to climb the ladder and, and get back up to uh, the Bulls in in the lead of your conference. You know the, that that missing missing that bonus point for tries is what's kept you. Well, I suppose you still would have been second, but it would have been equal points. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they've got a game. The Bulls have a game in hand, so that the Lions should be doing everything they can to attack, 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 score points, get bonus points, win games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, are they complacent or do they just not have what it takes? Uh, yet, yet to be seen. I'm, I'm, I'm not certain yet. We are halfway through the competition, but um, so far it seems like they haven't got what it takes anymore. Just, just a little bit unconvincing in a lot of the ways that they're getting these victories. Um, final game that we'll talk about, and that was the Highlanders and the Blues back down at Forsyth Bar, and Highlanders came out strong and. Uh, I got this tip wrong. I thought the Blues were going to be able to keep the momentum going, but they couldn't quite do it. Um, the Highlanders winning another one, uh, 24 to 12, and pulling themselves up to get their, I believe, third win of the season. So they're still down the bottom there in the conference. Yeah, still, still languishing, second last in the New Zealand conference. Um, but you know, the, the individuals are standing up in this Highlanders team. Shannon Frizzell continues to be an, an absolute wrecking ball. Hundred um, percent All Blacks number six starting. Yeah, you'd think like he's just he's getting across the gain line every time. He's 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 this sneaky guy around the ruck where you think he's just posting up, and the next and the the halfback's taking the ball, and all of a sudden he's yanked it off the ground and, and charging over for a try. Um, Joshuani was was strong in this game as well. Um, made his kicks. Matt Faddis looked better last week. He looked like he was hampered with a, a dodgy knee, and and he made an intercept and, and couldn't finish this week. He did. Yeah. Um, so Almost had two in a row for a second. There. Yeah. Yeah, he did. That's true. Um, and you know, as always, Ben Smith playing well. Tompkinson was good as well. Um, yeah, the Highlanders just as as a unit sort of picked up their game, uh, and they have always had 
sort of a, a quietly strong forward pack. Liam yeah. Coltman was an absolute freak in the rucks. Like oh, he, he was, was a menace. He was taking the ball from the Blues at will. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, that they've they've um, unfortunately been um, knocked around with a couple of injuries themselves. They they brought Aaron Smith off the bench in this one, and and that helped finish it out. But um, look, the Highlanders are still a very good team. I think that's why I sort of stuck with them. I I didn't think the Blues would take this one away from home. Um, the Highlanders have that that ranging, um, explosive attack out of the backs and and some really strong forwards. And with that much ball, with all the turnovers, they they had the Blues measure. Let's um, take a break from Super Rugby before we go into round eleven, and we'll wrap up. We had the Rapid Rugby. The first of our games not involving the Western Force overseas, over in Hong Kong, with the South China Tigers taking on the Asia Pacific Dragons. And look, the South China Tigers are very much a UK, European feel to that team. That's the Asia Pacific Dragons that are much more have the Kiwis in it, have a lot of the Pacific Islanders in it. But Tigers looking a little bit better drilled in this one, as, as I sort of thought coming into this one. Uh, they got ahead early, 29 to 19. And the Pacific Dragons tried to come back late. They got denied a power try right there at the depth. Uh, unfortunately, knocked it on over the line. So it was almost a one-point ball game sort of thing here. Yeah, and we know the Western Force are the strong side in this competition, but it's good to see these minor sides getting a decent turnout and, and having a, a, a reasonable hit-out where it's, again, not really one-sided. This, this competition will struggle if the Western Force are just dominant, mm-hmm. and then when the other teams play each other, even within that other group of teams, we've got various tiers that um, can't really compete in certain situations. So, um, yeah, but for a but for a spill, could have been a much closer game. Um, the Rapid Rugby moves on to the away series for the Force now. They're travelling to these teams the next few weeks. Yeah, so the Force are heading up to take on the Tigers in Hong Kong as well, I believe. Uh, so. That's a bit another game, and unfortunately, look, Toby mentioned a few weeks ago that this stadium they were playing at was a bit out in the sticks in Hong Kong, and they didn't particularly get a huge turnout to this game, which was a little bit unfortunate for them. Uh, but still, a bit of a good good intent from both teams, but it was a bit wet. The ground looked a little bit not quite like the grass was a bit too long, not quite um, cut short enough, so people were sleeping over a little bit. So there's a few things I think they need to tidy up and the camera work just isn't quite as good on the broadcast as you see in sort of Super Rugby and stuff as yet. The positives, I think, like the intent everyone's going to, they are playing a bit more expansive rugby at times. The commentary team, I think, they've put in place with Cameron Shepard um, and his sort of crewmates there was really good at pushing sort of the rule changes and making sure to explain everything that was going on. And then some of the players, these players that we haven't really seen and some of them have been in Europe, some of them have been floating around in the Asia-Pacific as well. But, look, you have players like the two number eights were sort of standouts. You had Luke Vandersmith for the Tigers uh, being sort of doubly involved in a bit of a move early for them to score a try. And then Nili Latu for the Asia-Pacific Dragons. Uh, looks like he's been around forever, but was there instrumental putting in a few... putting a kick himself for a try to the winger and also... Uh, was instrumental in putting a kick through for what was almost a power try as well. So that was really impressive. And then you have some of these other guys like Nathan Terry, the fullback for the Tigers, that is apparently now qualified for Hong Kong and will probably be representing his country, Hong Kong, um, in the near future as well. 
yeah, more opportunities for these guys who haven't cracked uh, the domestic competitions or, or things like Super Rugby and uh, more more opportunity for them to stand out. They'd, they'd be a big fish in these small ponds. Um, as for the as for the game sort of field prep and the broadcast, like that sort of stuff is going to be a focus that they improve uh, for this rapid rugby competition. It's its whole premise is that it's exciting, it's fast, it's it's geared towards attacking rugby. Uh, so anything that's holding that back, if it's the if it's the level of the mower, uh, the guy out at Hong Kong. Or um, or the the telecast um, tech or the, or the guys on the cameras like they're going to work on that and the product should go um, should improve as as the season goes on. Bear in mind like how many international games do we think have been broadcast? Or sorry, not international games. How many how many um, professional, like, professional games. games like of this level of competition have been played at that ground? Yeah, possibly, the possibly game. none. So, you know, the infrastructure at some of these grounds is going to be a bit underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. They're going to figure out what they need to work on after each after each game. And say, oh, look, we really need you know cameras here or more. Um, yeah, more more bloody length in our in our cables. We can run around and send the guy down the sideline, whatever it may be. Like mm-hmm. they'll set up the infrastructure, and with Twiggy Forest pushing it and some other um, individuals bankrolling some of these teams, like. Hopefully it'll it'll lift fairly quickly. It shouldn't take too long to learn from the major stadiums and other places. Yeah. The only other thing I'd I'd say they need to maybe work on. They had Nick Cummins down there on the ground interviewing players after tries and things. And look, is the charm wearing off? He's a funny dude, but you can't just keep throwing to him and asking him to say weird stuff to entertain everyone. Well, you can. But it's not going to... Look, after the fifth time that he's talking to someone who says, oh, you're running pretty fast there, like you'd stolen something. Like, yeah, that's kind of funny the first time you said that, but you've said it five times now in this telecast. Mm. You probably need to, like, just push him. He was fine when he was actually there interviewing and had some questions to ask, but don't just throw to him and say, look, you entertain us for the next 30 seconds. Yeah, it's shallow bag of tricks. Maybe we, maybe we didn't realise there's um, not, not enough um, variety in the one-liners. and It, it was awkward. I remember seeing that um, in, in one of the early Force games. Oh, um, when he was playing for the World 15 as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and, they, and they had him you know, running around the bench in all these um, moments when he wasn't on the field and just like, feel like it's sort of splitting the game and, and Nick Cummins 50-50 and relying on him way too heavily. So, yeah, yeah he, they'll, they'll run him to death and then they won't get much out of him at all. So hopefully they back that off. Yeah, need to do that. All right, let's get into round 11, Super Rugby, and let's get our tips right. I had a terrible round last week, so... I Don't worry, Arch, this round isn't in the books yet, so we can still have uh, a shot. You're really funny, mate. You're really funny. <laughs> Did you tip the Brumbies? I can't remember. No, I did not. I definitely did. So I have a bit of Australian pride here. Well, you just... I have Waratah's pride. Waratah's. That's fair. Okay. All right. First game and Crusaders versus the Lions. Crusaders. I'm like, there's no way that... If that's the best the Lions can do to to hold the Chiefs, who are under strength, to zero points for 20 minutes and... uh, Sorry, 60 minutes and then... Not, not hold out the last 20. Mm. No chance against Crusaders. This is a 20-point margin. I have to agree. And look, I was trying to think of an argument to make or oh, what if the Crusaders rest some people? What if they put their second string? Their second string team's just as good, pretty much. If they rest people, I, I, I withhold the right to, to reassess my margin. But you're right. The Crusaders have heaps of depth. These guys all play the same system. There's no, there's no discontinuity when a player comes on for an injury. Um, very few things rattle that team. I, I think Crusaders are 
worthy favourites at a dollar ten as of today. Yeah, that's if anything, that's a little bit high really for him. Um, second game, and the Sunwolves get to stay up in Tokyo at Prince Chichibu, and they're hosting the Highlanders here. And the Highlanders obviously a much more um, sort of settled group and, and can play very well, but all bets are off really when, when you see what they can do to a almost full strength uh, Hurricane side. I think the, the Highlanders are probably a stronger outfit to me if they've got their normal back line. I think the forwards um, should keep the ball in their hands and, and get a lot of go forward. And Ben Smith and Aaron Smith calling the defence around for the Highlanders, I think they'll contain the Sunwolves pretty comfortably. Um, I don't see the Sunwolves challenging in this one, unless they can blow them out early like they... Well, look, I can see them challenging, but I think the way the reason they were able to get on top of the Hurricanes was because they showed a bit more dominance in their forwards and yes. pushing those Hurricanes. So we set up that pack isn't quite up to what That's we would right. expect the standards. And we've said the Highlanders pack plays very well together. So yeah. I think that might be able to contain and just hold the ball away from the Sunwolves a bit so I think it's going to be close though but I, I think you're right I think the Highlanders are still still able to take this one in Tokyo next game and Hurricanes heading home and they're versing the Chiefs a bit of a lackluster Chiefs team yeah funny like Chiefs Chiefs not looking as dangerous at the moment still with the injuries maybe the Hurricanes uh, had, had imagine if they'd lost to the Sunwolves they might have been regretting resting oh. the Barretts last week and thought maybe they should have done it at home this week um, but I would assume that they're not going to do two weeks in a row and give the, give the guys that meant that much time away from the game. It should be a full-strength Hurricane side, mm. uh, and I would believe that they will comfortably handle the Chiefs. They might not want to blow them off the park straight away, but I don't see the Chiefs staying in this contest. I think the Hurricanes will have them. Yeah, a bit of a shame we're not going to see the Barrett brothers versus the McKenzie brothers in here. Both could be, actually be playing like exact opposite positions and things as well. But... I think you're right. I think the Chiefs have just lost a fair bit. And look, hopefully they'll have people like Brody Retallick back to spark their forward pack a bit more. They're a different team with him on the park. But the Hurricanes at home, it's just too hard to take that team down in Wellington. Yeah, but like we said, like if Brody Retallick's there and, and he can really get the forwards to lift, that's, that's where they're going to get into the game. Uh, and after that, it's you know the backs are going to have to play out of their skins to, to take out this Hurricane side, unless they put Geordie at 13, in which case that's a massive weakness and they should just take him out. <laughs> you really have a vendetta against Geordie now, don't you? At 13. He at should 13. not play 13. Okay, all right, all right. Um, next game, and it's the Tars. Staying, well, they're actually moving out to this new stadium, the Western Sydney Stadium. First rugby union game we'll see out there, um, taking on the Sharks coming to town. And for me, I think... Look, the Tars should get this up against this Sharks team that's been disappointing for two weeks in a row. They're going on tour. They're travelling. I know, you're thinking about the fairy tale of them coming out and suddenly getting, getting no, their backs up. I'm thinking about where I'm going to find that coin that I need to flip for every game that involves one South African team. Because I'm tipping at 50%, so I might as well just flip a coin. That's true, that's true. But surely you think the Tars at home, they've just got a little bit of momentum. They've got no other selection dramas, really, because they have one team they can choose. The only selection drama I can think of is whether they play Dempsey or Hannigan at number six. Yeah, and, and that's not a major drama. Look, the, the Waratahs should have you know, built a fair bit of confidence into, into their team now with that win against the Rebels. Uh, but the pressure's still on. It's not like that's got them the top of the conference or got them a lead. They've still got to run this Rebels team down. This is the week where the Rebels are off 
and you can potentially jump them in in the standings so lots of lots to play for you've got a bit of momentum need to consolidate that and play well uh and the sharks again unpredictable definitely have uh, a lot of talent in the team but can they channel it into something that resembles a coherent squad uh performance against the tars away from home i would think not i'd you never know. You never know because they can come out and, and look like world beaters even when they're away and, and after a, a shock loss to the Reds. But no, I think the Waratahs, if they're if they're half as competent as I think they are, they should get this one. The only threat I can see in the Sharks at the moment is Kerwin Bosch. Robert Dupree is not playing well. His brothers aren't playing that well. Their forward pack is not doing all those little offloads they used to be doing. Um, Kerwin Bosch seems to be the only spark that seems to ignite things sometimes that team. Maybe Esterhausen, but he's not really been that high in standard. So if you shut down Cohen Bosch and you don't give him a whole lot of room at the back there, don't keep kicking it to him. Mm. Hold on to the ball and you should have success here. I think the Tars can do that, hopefully. Definitely a game to hold on to the ball. I think that's... I was just going to ask you, how, how do you think you shut down Kerwin Bosch? And, and really, it is starve him. Don't, don't give him the open field opportunity. So if you're kicking for territory, you put it in touch. You, you make sure of it. Otherwise, you play another phase or two and get yourself in a better position, draw, draw some of their defenders forward into the line. If you yeah. have to go wide to get those guys to come up, then take the kick to the line. Don't just go through this just um, mechanical, one-dimensional, like oh, second, third phase, we need some territory, we're just going to kick on the third phase. That's the plan. Mm-hmm. Because if you haven't manipulated their defense to allow that kick to get into touch, you're going to give them opportunities. And that's the sort of dumb stuff which I think the Waratahs are still capable of, unfortunately. Yeah, well, it seems like their game plan is we can't let it get to more than five faces. It is. They kicked so many times on the first... I mean, the whole game was kicking against the Rebels, so that was just, I guess, a bit unusual. But literally, they would not go past five phases. It's so frustrating. Um, ball doesn't get out to the wingers. Ball doesn't get into the centres for a standard backline play. It's convoluted three or four phases with interlinking pods of forwards and then kick it away. It's like, you guys haven't even like loaded your best ammunition and you suddenly handed the gun to the other team like what are you doing next game we have and it's the Stormers at home again and they get to host the Bulls and I'll let you tip this one first so I can go just the opposite of what you tip well I'll just be riding the Bulls because they're my tip for the conference and uh, I'm, I'm just going to take take them every week now I'd, I've, I've got a I suppose a 50-50 chance picking and double South African side, but again, I'm one from four. Sorry, I'm I'm one out of four tipping South African derbies. So terrible, terrible, terrible stats. I think you're in the right spot tipping against me. All right, I'll take the Stormers then. Sensible. Sen- <laughs> I've got to say sensible. <laughs> All right, and the only other Australian team playing this weekend is the Brumbies continue their tour. Uh, they're headed off to Argentina, and the Haguaras off that bite. And th- and this one. This, this is probably the trickiest one for me because the bye seems to break teams. I don't, think it, I don't think any team has found it helpful to have a bye so far. Looking at what the team list could look like, um, I guess the Brumbies haven't, haven't picked up a bunch of injuries so far. I think Josh Man Ray might have done, hurt his knee, not mm. done his knee, but hurt his knee, so that might weaken their uh, reserves. But really, if they're playing their full-strength side... Well, and maybe David Pocock might be back. And David this Pocock is the third straight week they've been saying it, but yeah. he's at least there running the water. <laughs> oh, look, the Brummies can definitely win this game. Um, 
very tricky, tricky without the team list. Mm-hmm. Um, Hagi has been very inconsistent. But they just um, they just won two games in South Africa. Yeah, but that's they've they've been losing at home as well. So mm-hmm. um, look, I might actually go the Brumbies in this one. I might have some faith in this Australian side. You know, they did good things last week. Um, they've they've got a, a consistent side. If they bring David Pocock back in, I I think there's potential there. I think the Brumbies could disrupt the Hags at home for sure. Yeah, I think there's potential there. Uh, did you see that stat that David Pocock actually, when he's with the Brumbies, they actually have a worse winning percentage than when he's not with the Brumbies? Hang on, with them like includes running water or like? No, no, no. When he's on the team, actually playing, so they're not as good. They don't seem to win as much. Well, sit on the pine and let your team win and put your feet up, buddy. We need you for the World Cup. You can just Interesting. chill out. I'm sure there's other to... factors than Pocock oh, being I'm on sure there. there like everyone suddenly just trying to pill for the ball to, to sh- show him up and then suddenly no one's there in the defensive line. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, I, that's a really tough one to pick. I feel like the Hags should have it. They have all the advantages of coming into the game off the back of a few good wins, being back at home. They seem it's to have found something new. Seem to have found something new with a new young fly half, like he maybe mm. is, spark something. But, yeah, the Brumbies, obviously they've... A lot of travel for them. Mm. A lot of travel for the Brumbies and, um, yeah. I think the safe bet week. is the Haguaris, but if you want to use your Australian pride, maybe the... Yeah, well, like I said, I'm tipping at 50%, so I'll flip the coin and if it agrees with the Brumbies, then I'll, I'll make sure I lock that one in. And the other game is the Rapid Rugby game this weekend. I did misspeak before. It is actually the reverse um, leg of that Tigers versus Dragons game back in Singapore. So the Asian Dragons, oh. Asia Pacific Dragons, get to host the Tigers back down in Singapore this week. So do we think home ground advantage is enough to, to reverse the point score there? Is that going to lift the Asia Pacific Dragons enough? I think they found something towards the end of that game and... Look, something I didn't realise is the Asia Pacific Dragons have been a team out of Singapore for several years. I think it was back in 2012, 2013 that they've been playing different teams from around the Pacific. They've been trying to bring people together. So they actually have been around. So it'll be interesting to see whether they do actually bring a bit more of a home ground sort of advantage, a bit of support in the advance, um, getting the boys up. I think I'll take the Dragons. I'm going to listen to the wisdom. I'm also going to take the dragons. Hey, he's going back at me, back at me. What do we think Toby's going to tip? I, I'm assuming Toby tends to tip with the with the markets. Yeah. Um, if I if I thought he was going to tip one upset fixture this week, I would suggest. I assume he's going to go Crusaders, Highlanders, Hurricanes, Waratahs. Yeah. yeah. He might go Stormers instead of Bulls. He does like the Stormers. Yeah. And I don't know anything about Southern. He might Mendoza. go the Brumbies. He might go the yeah. That might actually be his upset tip. So he's actually pretty well aligned to me. So um, probably not smart because I'm not tipping as well as either of you two in our competitions. But um, yeah, I, I, we can joke and say he's going to tip the Sunwolves, but they will probably beat the Highlanders then. And if and, we say that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh well. Good luck, Sunwolves. Toby's tipping you. That, that's it. That should get them a win. I think. Anyway, that's pretty much all from us this week. Uh, hopefully we get a few more great games like we had on the weekend. Maybe a bit more of success from these touring teams. Hopefully the Brumbies can do it. Yeah, it'd be great to see them take two wins on tour. That's, um, that's a huge achievement and, and not saying an Australian team's done for a while. So uh, good luck over there in Argentina. We'll be getting up on Sunday morning and, and cheering you on. Probably just put the mocker on them saying all that, but... 
Uh, I guess we digress. Um, other than that, guys, make sure to follow us on the Instagram and on Twitter uh, at Running Rugby Podcast for Instagram at, at the Running Rugby Pod for Twitter. You'll see all the extra stories that crop up during the week and any extra things that any extra news that interests us, especially. But reply to us if you see anything that you disagree with, or any or tag us if you see anything that you think we've missed. Otherwise, make sure to download and subscribe to us. We're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Stitcher, Spotify, all the major platforms. And remember, let's go those rumbies. Keep on running. <laughs> <laughs>